Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I really liked this episode. I'm so, so glad that you did. Are you a little surprised that I did? I feel like you didn't think I was going to. No, I didn't think you were going to, but I think I just automatically assume that you're not going to. So I prepare myself mentally. (laughs) And then when you said that you did, I was like, what a fucking plot twist because I did. Like I canceled out my own feelings because I just assumed you weren't going to. (laughs) No, well, the thing is, and you guys know this, when we're doing, you know, season 19 or the more recent seasons, it's a full hour episode. So it's very easy to go scene by scene. But with these, they're 25, 30 minute episodes. So it's really hard to find a great one that requires a scene by scene analysis. For example, remember last week we did two episodes in one or three episodes in one. So I kind of thought that was going to happen. But then as I was watching, I was like, wow, there are a million different things I would love to get into a discussion on. So I'm so happy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. So we start out with Chloe, Kylie, Kendall, and Caitlin at the house. They're in the living room. Nothing really happens here. It's just the intro. But the only reason I mention it is because you see Kylie has this massive kind of blonde streak in her hair. And it kind of just brings me back or reminds me that she really started experimenting just creatively with her hair and with with her looks very early on, like way before there were any sort of plastic surgery rumors. It's very clear how she really viewed that as a form of self-expression. Yeah, so young. When I saw that blonde streak in her hair in this episode, I was like, oh, I really like, I didn't realize how young this was. Not a bad thing at all. I just didn't realize the timeline of it. No, same. And also, if any of you are on TikTok, you may relate to this. There's this thing on TikTok where everybody is the most obsessed with Kylie in her Tumblr era when she had the blue hair. And this to me was like very pre-setting the scene for all of the stuff that she was going to do, you know, in that era. Yeah, very much so. It's interesting that TikTok is so on that bandwagon with like a younger Kylie because I thought that most of them were too young at that age to appreciate that era of Kylie. Well, 
TikTok just has its own thing with the Kardashians. For example, Courtney's the favorite, hands down, from by everyone on there. I think Kylie, the Tumblr thing, like everybody has a different thing with each one of them that I don't think is necessarily the most popular opinion otherwise. I'm so into Courtney being the favorite. You know that. It's a it's a great change of pace. I, I love it for her. I I just there was a lot that I forgot about and TikTok reminded me. I mean, story of our lives. <laughs> So the first scene, Courtney walks into Smooch and she tells Chris that her friend Lisa Falcone wants her to be on the cover of 944 magazine. This was a local LA magazine and it was supposed to be a Who is Courtney Kardashian feature. So this was her first solo cover ever. And Chris basically offers to help her. You know, she says there's a lot of logistics going on. Like I'd be happy to kind of be your manager for it. And in her confessional, Courtney says, My mom has been Kim's manager for two years now, and I could totally see how she would be a great manager. And I was just kind of thinking, obviously, with the exception of Caitlyn, with all of her speaking engagements, I think this episode was the first time we got to see Chris be one of the other girls' solo manager for a single project that didn't involve all of them. Yeah, definitely. Didn't you kind of feel like you were witnessing history? Yeah, because it's just funny that it was such a big deal for Courtney to have a solo shoot on 944 Magazine. And I I guess it wasn't... I guess it was so soon after the show started, it was realistically only like two or three years. But in my head, I think that at this point, I thought they were so much bigger than that already, that that would have been such a no-brainer for Courtney. So I guess that it wasn't, which is so crazy. And also to think that this was only, you know, 11, 12 years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, though. I think also the other thing is that we always look for moments with them, both when it comes to features or editorials written about them or magazine covers, and also when it comes to fashion or being invited to certain events, for example, the Met Gala, where we're like constantly looking for things that really excite them because I think we all feel there's a part of them that just naturally has gotten kind of jaded. So this to me was exciting because it's like, I have not seen Courtney get excited about a magazine cover, not because she's not grateful, but just because it's become so run of the mill. So it was kind of cool to watch her react as anybody who's just starting out in fame would have. Oh yeah, definitely. I so agree with that. That's also probably why the Met Gala was such a fun thing to watch because you don't really see Kim get like that for events. There's no event that gets her to feel that way like that one did. Anything that's really kind of high fashion that she didn't, that seemed so far off for her when she was just starting out with her career is something that's always really exciting for her. But it's also crazy when you get the trajectory of Kim because it's like part of her so excited about cover of Vogue and those are the big deals. And then the other part of her is so excited because she's in the White House working on criminal justice reform. Like that is crazy. It is kind of crazy that those are the those are the two things that kind of get her there. Whereas everything else, not that she comes, you know, comes into it like she thinks she's better, not at all. But you know, at h- how many magazine covers can you do? How many photo shoots can you do? Whereas what we're witnessing here was like really their first introduction, and I just love it. Yeah, I so agree. So next scene, they're at Kim's condo, and it's Courtney, Kim, and Chloe, and. Courtney did not agree on the spot that Chris was going to manage her for the shoot. And so Kim's trying to convince her and Chloe kind of looks skeptical and they call her out on it. And Chloe goes, this is my opinion. She kisses Kim's ass. Kim's her first major client. I think it's a bad idea. And in her confessional, Chloe says, I'm actually shocked Courtney wants to take on Chris as a manager because Courtney talks so much shit about Chris and Kim's ass kissing relationship. It's kind of shocking, but go ahead. Join the dark side court. And... Kim saying to Chloe, you know, no, Caitlin was her first major client. And Chloe's like, yeah, but that was 20 years in the making before Chris even got there. It's funny because 
you would expect that the relationship between all of them and Chris, based on Chris's favoritism of Kim, especially in the early days, like would have caused so many more problems for them than it actually did. Oh, totally. Also, I just have to get this out there and I don't normally go to this, but I really did sense a little bit of jealousy from from Chloe. Yeah, but it was um, like parental jealousy, not career jealousy, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely was. I think it was a little bit of a combination because I think she was also frustrated that not frustrated, she was happy for Courtney, but I think she felt like she wasn't getting these same opportunities because how can you not? When Yeah, there were two younger ones, but at the time it was three of them, right? Those were the three in the similar age group could be up for the similar things. And when two of your sisters are getting gigs and you're not, how can that not affect you for a second? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you wish you could tell her and be like, but next episode you get the PETA campaign. <laughs> Obviously. I wish there are so many things I wish I could go back and tell them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, but I think that when you really get into the the Chris element of it rather than the Courtney photo shoot element of it, it had a lot to do with um, the favoritism of Kim. Yeah, you're right. It's probably a little bit of both. So next scene, they're at the 944 office and Courtney's in her confessional saying that, you know, she made her decision. She's hiring her mom as her manager. And Chris is kind of just talking to the publisher making sure it's a guaranteed cover, making sure everything's kosher. And you can tell I think Chris is doing her job, but also she like kind of wants to impress Courtney, which is just adorable. Well, also Courtney's sitting there like it's her first time seeing Chris in action, which it so isn't. I know, but I think she feels like it's her first time with all of the attention on her. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, you know, Chris and Courtney, I think have more of a complicated relationship than Chris and a lot of the other kids. So anytime there's a plot line that involves the two of them solely it's interesting for other reasons than the ones that are on the screen. Oh, I think that's the whole point of the episode too, was to was to showcase that relationship. Yeah. I, I couldn't watch this episode and watch the scenes of them together and not think back to Chris's book when she's talking about, you know, how Courtney was the firstborn and she would bring her around in those matching outfits and how she was like an extension of her and Robert. And it's just I don't know. You know, this was what, 20 something years later. And I always just think back to the way that she spoke about Courtney in the book. Yeah. Oh my God. And remember when she speaks about Kim in the book and they talk about how beautiful of a baby she was and they would just sit in the living room with her in the bassinet and her and Robert would just stare at her because she was such a beautiful, beautiful baby. Yeah. Chicago vibes. (laughs) Chicago vibes. Yes. (laughs) So now Chris and Courtney are in the car and they're kind of just talking about it, saying it went really well. And Kim calls Chris and she's like, I have not gotten my itinerary yet for Comic-Con. And Kim says in her confessional, I just finished Disaster Movie with Carmen Electra and Vanessa Manillo, and our first big promotion is Comic-Con in San Diego. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I, it just really brought me back. I forgot about Disaster Movie, first of all. And second of all, the idea of Kim at a Comic-Con is literally, it's sending me. Sending me. I feel like that would be one of her worst nightmares. I just can't believe it just seems so goddamn off brand. Like I imagine that at the time though, that was a really big deal. So I'm sure promotion wise, that was a huge deal for Kim. Oh, totally. And this was at the point where they were saying no to absolutely nothing. Right. If it came I mean, also it was movie promo. What was she gonna do? She really couldn't say no. No, totally. But anyway, the point of this phone call for anybody who didn't watch the episode was Kim wants to make sure that Chris isn't getting distracted. She's making sure she's coming with her to Comic Con, etc. Okay. So next scene, we're at Rob and Adrian's apartment. Just remember at the time, he's 21 and she's 25. 
Also, just in case anybody's wondering, you don't want to look it up. She's now married to Israel. They were married in 2016. And she's a stepmom to his four kids. They don't have any kids of their own yet. So they're moving their boxes in because they're moving in together. And in his confessional, Rob says, Adrian and I have been together for a little over a year now. She's a cheetah girl. I love her and I really want to make it work. So Adrian and I are moving in together. Why does he always refer to her as a cheetah girl in his confessionals? He's so proud of it. It's just so like adorable and also confusing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he thinks that still thinks that people don't know who she is, or it's like he just feels like it's such a flex. Because I think that if I was dating Adrian Vilone at the time, I would never let anybody forget I was dating a cheetah girl. You know what? You're absolutely right. I'm transporting back to that time. You are absolutely right. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, you're. St- I, I recant my previous statement. You're spot on. <laughs> So this kind of sets the scene because she's saying she's never lived with a boyfriend before, and he's saying he's extremely anal and organized, and they're kind of just curious how it's going to go. We'll get into that a little later on because I also found that to be an interesting side plot, like not a bullshit one. You know how a lot of the side plots are bullshit? To me, that was actually an interesting one. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. So keep that in the back of your mind as we go to the next scene. So next scene, we're at Courtney and Chloe's townhouse, and you see Courtney waking up next to Scott, which obviously I was thrilled about. And- you guys, if you have ever been on TikTok, you know what I'm exactly what I'm about to say. That famous TikTok sound that's Courtney saying you're worthless, that happened in this episode. She said it to Scott when they were first waking up. And Julie, it's exactly like when you see where the meme is from. Wait, I don't even think I realized that. Yes. Oh my God. I really didn't realize that's what it was. Yeah, that you're worthless. Oh. Oh, that makes sense now. Isn't it amazing? Oh my God. I love when that happens. It is literally hearing a TikTok sound in a show or like seeing a meme in a show. It like gives my body such a specific feeling. It's the best. It's like you finally placed it. Has somebody put a word to that? Probably like intertextuality on fucking steroids. I need I need something that's just like a phrase that I can just spit out at you. You know what? Let's come up with that offline and then we can come back with a really strong one because you're so right. We need a word to, to captivate that feeling. Yeah. Wow. That, right? is, that is so true. Yeah. Like I'm getting excited just thinking about it. <laughs> okay. So Courtney's waking up. She's saying she couldn't sleep all night because of the shoot and – She's very nervous, very excited. She calls Chris, leaves her a voicemail, and she's like, you know what? I'll just meet you at the studio. We now pan to Chris, who's at Comic-Con with Kim in San Diego. Kim's in a shoot with Carmen Electra. Obviously, this is when shit's about to hit the fan. We go back to Courtney at her shoot, and keep in mind, she's doing this with the photographer, Troy Jensen, same photographer who did Kim for Reggie's calendar. So they're going over Courtney's looks. She's a little bit frazzled, you can tell. And in her confessional, she says, All these questions and decisions are coming at me, and this is when I really need her, especially in the beginning when we're getting everything set up. I'm starting to really wonder where she is. Obviously, the producers are doing this panning back and forth just to show the two different things happening here. So we're at Comic-Con again. Kim and Carmen Electra are now in this interview. You see Chris like so happy, smiling with pride, kind of like a you're doing amazing, sweetie moment. And Courtney's at the shoot. She finally calls Chris, asks her, you know, are you not coming? And Chris goes, oh shit, I forgot. And Courtney says, are you joking? She says, I can be there in about four hours. She goes, you wanted to be my manager and I'm here literally by myself. How do you think that feels? Chris says, obviously I made a mistake today. Courtney says, well, yeah, you shouldn't take on too many responsibilities that you can't handle. So Kim's with Chris now and Kim takes Chris's phone and she's like, mom, go in the other room. 
So she says to Courtney, are you mad at me too? She goes, no, I'm, I'm just mad at her. She's supposed to be here. How am I supposed to know what to wear? Like, I don't have someone to tell me. So Kim says to Courtney, listen, I've dealt with this a few times when she's double booked. It's, it's not a big deal. And Chris overhears this and she's like, are you selling me down the river? And now Kim and Chris start fighting because Chris is like, you were supposed to make this better. Why are you making me look worse? And by the way, I'm here with you in San Diego. So Chris says to Courtney, Courtney, I don't even know what to say because I blew it so bad. I just, I feel like I'm torn in too many different directions and I completely forgot and I'm asking you to forgive me. And in her confessional, Chris is just saying that she doesn't really know how to explain this to Courtney because she genuinely has no excuse. She just forgot. Courtney says, there's no way I could ever forgive you. You're so disappointing. This is such a joke. This is so unprofessional. I can't even believe that people act this way. All you care about is Kim. So go crawl up Kim's ass. So you can tell Chris is getting visibly upset and she goes, well, all right, why don't you just fucking punish me because I'm not there? That's wrong too. You're making me feel really bad and there's nothing I can do about it now. It would take me three hours to get there and we can't even leave for another two. And she's like, I don't even want you there anymore. And she kind of just hangs up on her. The drama. The way I felt about this episode was that it was um a like a fabricated plot line with real intentions. Like I just thought the point of it was to showcase Courtney and Chris's relationship and kind of the drama there and the difference between him and Chris's relationship or even Chloe and Chris's relationship, like really highlighting Courtney's because I think that does come up a lot of times in future episodes and this kind of set the scene for that. No, completely. And also I guess something in my head was like, how would Chris be down to make herself look this bad if it was fake? I know like we just decided it was, but I guess she'll just do anything for the ratings. But like, this is a really terrible look, especially as somebody who's trying to prove themselves as a manager. Yeah, it is. Um, but I guess it's all all in the plot, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of times where they do that where I'll think it's a fake scene and I'll be like, it seems so fake to me, but at the same time, it makes one of them look so bad that why are we even doing this? Right, right. I guess they feel like their redeemable moments are plenty. Yeah, and I think their redeemable moments are plenty. Yeah, I think so too. Well, obviously we do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So 
So Chris calls Chloe and she's like, you need to go over there and help them. And of course, in her confessional, Chloe says, my mom has overbooked herself. So who does she call me? The best child in the world. And, you know, Chloe obviously is saying that Courtney is really pissed. So in her confessional, Courtney says, I'm glad Chloe's here, but it doesn't take the place of my mom. I'm never going to forgive her for this and I'll never get over it. Like, how is that not fake? Obviously, you're going to forgive her. She cheated on your dad and you forgave her. You're not going to forgive her for missing your photo shoot? I don't know. Did she forgive her for the robber thing? Enough enough that she's willing to talk to her. Yes. I just want to take a second and tell you something that did not happen in the episode, but when we were doing the outline, this kind of came to us. So this 944 magazine... It's not in practice anymore, but when you look it up, there's an article that says, Kourtney Kardashian's alleged ex-fling, Michael Gurgenti, claims he could be her son's father. This was from March 2013. I'm just going to read you the first paragraph because it happened, what he's talking about happened because they met on this shoot, if what he's saying is true, okay? In a shocking paternity report, and by the way, I think everybody just forgot this happened, okay? In a shocking paternity report, Michael Gargenti, an LA-based model, is claiming he's the father of Kourtney Kardashian's three-year-old son, Mason Dash Disick, according to InTouch Weekly. The two worked together at 944 Magazine Photoshoot in 2008, and Gargenti tells the mag in depth details of an alleged tryst he had with a reality star. Quote, we started kissing, making out, and touching each other. We were fooling around on the couch for a little while before I took her to the bedroom, he told InTouch of his claims of a March 2009 fling. I slipped her clothes off. She helped me undress and we fell into bed. Why is this fucking audio porn? Wait, also, why are they pretending like we don't know how like a baby would have been made? <laughs> yeah. And then it ends. He said Kardashian told him she was on a break at the time from boyfriend, Scott Disick. I, I know this is so minor, but I completely forgot that this happened and that this photo shoot in this episode was where he said they met. I have like no recollection of anybody trying to claim paternity of, of Mason. And by the way... To me, saying that Scott isn't the father of Mason would be like the equivalent of saying John Legend isn't the father of Miles. I know. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Genetics are pretty strong here. <laughs> I know. I, I I do remember this happened. Like I had forgotten, but once I read it, I was like, yeah, I remember it. It was just such a non-story and such a cloud-chasing move, clearly. Clearly. Wow. People used to do that. It doesn't happen as much anymore, but I remember there used to be a lot of, a lot of fake paternity things. Yeah. I mean, this was in 2013. Mason was about to be four. It wasn't like he was just born. It was clearly like a guy. His career was maybe struggling a little and he wanted to come out and, and kind of do this. It, it was just classless, but you know, I, I it's weird for me to even think like Courtney had this love affair with someone else. I really just associate her with Scott. Do you think they did hook up though? I think they did hook up probably. Yeah. It's always possible. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They were two hot young people in LA and if she was on a break, it's not like he said she cheated. No, no. And remember, there is that that break that's coming up for them. Yeah. You guys, Julie and I, while we were talking about this, remembered like very soon, Courtney's about to get pregnant in the show. I, I don't know why. Like, I just forgot that it was this early on in the show that she's pregnant with Mason. I, I guess I know the timeline and I do consider him to be older. Like, I, I'm not delusional. I know he's 10. But I just wasn't thinking about it in terms of the show and how early on in the show we were. And I'm just mind boggled still. Me too. I, I have no concept of time with these types of things though, you know? I have no concept of time ever, Em. <laughs> ever. Anyway, let's take a quick break and then we'll go to the next scene. 
People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So next scene, Courtney and Chloe are at their house and Chloe brings in flowers for Courtney from Chris. Courtney's not having it, like just wants nothing to do with it. Chloe's trying to read her the card and she just is not down for it. And Courtney goes, you can't just buy my affection with flowers. And Chloe goes, I would hope not, but this is our mom. Like it's family. You got to let it go. She's reaching out. You just like hold on to things for life. Courtney says, okay, I can't talk about this anymore. I got to go. And Chloe goes, of course you can't hide your feelings. The reason that I just wanted to mention that is because Chloe is very quick to call out Courtney for doing that, which I think is true. I think she's not nearly as emotive as some of them would like her to be. However, there's definitely times in earlier seasons when Chloe kind of does the same thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think the issue with Courtney is that it's not even that she's not as emotive as that they would want her to be. It's that she becomes like, like she can't even bother to care about anybody else's feelings. Like it's not just like they're sitting here being like, Courtney, tell us how you feel about your fight with mom. Like we want to know about it. It's like she shuts down and won't even acknowledge that Chris is a person at this point, let alone her mother. Yeah, it's, it's, I get it. And I also get that it was probably dramatized, but it is a little off-putting. You know, it's, it's because her style is just to cut off communication. And that's just not how a lot of the others of them operate. I also think that Chloe happens to be, um, a lot more attentive to when other people are doing things that she considers to be wrong rather than when she's doing it. Oh, of course. And also Chloe's style is not to just stop talking. I think honestly, she was, all of them obviously were very scarred from Robert's death, but at this particular time, I think Chloe was struggling with it the most. And so the idea of like not talking to Chris, there's just no way that that would probably happen right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know she's, she, there are scenes and episodes where she's really, really mean to her, but like completely shutting her out. I think Chloe would feel almost too superstitious is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like she, I don't think she wants to go there. Also, you know, that's very much Chloe's personality. And I think a lot of the times, especially in the earlier seasons, what she considered to be a joke 
she forgets that other people don't and she just takes it too far sometimes. And I think whereas Courtney has just like genuinely negative um, intentions in these scenarios, Chloe's doesn't, but then she feels the need to defend herself rather than just owning up to it. And that's what happens there, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. Okay, so next scene, anything else you want to say or should I go to the next scene? No, please, please keep moving ahead. I love when you give me permission. <laughs> I sometimes like asking for it. Okay. <laughs> so next scene, we're at Rob and Adrian's apartment and Courtney, Kim, and Chloe come over. Rob's not home. And they walk in and Adrian's like, you have to take your shoes off. Otherwise, he's going to flip out. And in her confessional, Adrian's saying that when things are really bad with Rob or just when she's kind of going through it, she calls Kim, Chloe, Courtney, and Chris, which I love that. I, I knew their relationship and obviously now they're still very close, but it was very heartwarming to kind of just see that. Yeah, I've always like the relationship that they all have with each other's significant others, which is what we were talking about with Reggie in like the last episode. We were saying we were surprised that um, Reggie wasn't seemingly as close with the family as a lot of the rest of them. Yeah, I really do think, I don't know Reggie Bush personally, so it could have to do with his personality, but I really think that it had to do mostly with his career. Like in the very few times that he was going to be off, I think he wanted to be alone with Kim. Oh yeah, definitely. They're all kind of just sitting there talking about how Rob is so anal about cleanliness. And to be honest with you, this was a part of Rob's personality that I just forgot. It wasn't really a plot line that was constantly highlighted. When they talk about this on the show now, it's much more in association with Chloe in terms of how she is about cleaning. So to hear that Adrian even was getting frustrated and Kim's explaining how before he would go to sleep at night, he would put like a post-it note with his to-do list, which I actually think is really sweet, but I just didn't realize that that's how he operated. I kind of had forgot that. It's funny that him and Chloe both have that um, side of their personalities, but did Chloe, do you think, had it as much here? Because it doesn't sound like it. It wasn't like she was stepping up being like, no, no, I'm like that too. No, not at all. I think that what happened was as things happened in her life with Lamar and with Tristan, she really clinged to having a sense of control and control comes from just like making the house as clean as physically possible. So I know if you're listening to this, you may think, well, she probably felt a lack of control when her father died. And I think that's true. But I think at the time it manifested itself in a different way. So I really think that her like attentiveness to organization and cleanliness really probably was increased by what happened with her relationships. Makes a lot of sense. Don't you think? Oh, a lot of sense. As you were saying it, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't make that point. No, well, that happens all the time. Like we'll be saying something, you'll be saying something and I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Right. You just like don't think of it in the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's what one of us does. That's what I was going to say. That's why we don't talk about this before. Yeah. Also, it makes me happy that somebody listening, not with this, but I'm just saying in general, like either they have an amazing point that they message us about or they may have not thought about something and then we say it and it's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Like that's why I fucking love that people care about this stuff too. Yeah. Oh my God. Same. Yeah. So like I always say, if you're that person in your car that's listening, I get you. I feel you. And I hope you're having that those moments. Okay. <laughs> so Troy Jensen, the photographer, calls Courtney. And they're talking about all the logistics from the shoot. So Kim says to her, Court, isn't this what your manager should be doing? You shouldn't be calling approving pictures. She says, normally what happens is they bring you all the options and you kind of just say yes, you know, yes or no. And Chloe says, see, mom would be doing all of this for you. But since you're not talking to her, and in her confessional, Chloe says, Courtney literally has no emotion. She's a cold-hearted snake. She does not care about other people's feelings. And once you tick her off, it's like there's no going back. And 
Chloe's saying to Courtney, how do you want mom to make this up to you when you keep ignoring her? And she says, everyone makes mistakes. Are you that perfect that you can't accept it? Courtney goes, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that that's not a TikTok sound. I know. Courtney's the queen of one-liners. That's why she works as a TikTok sound. Yeah, it's, it's very true. So next scene, we're at Adrian and Rob's and Rob comes home and immediately he's on Adrian about the mess in the kitchen, not using a coaster or whatever she was cooking. And they end up kind of getting into a fight and he's like, listen, I could have stayed at USC. She says, yeah, I could have been in New York. And Rob's saying to Adrian that her mom does everything for her. And Adrian goes, my mom helps me out, but I do things myself. I wasn't raised with a maid like you. What a line. Also, by the way, the way that Rob walks into the apartment and starts like picking apart everything Adrian's doing about the mess is exactly what it's like when Isabel walks into my apartment. I was waiting for you to say that. I literally am at the point where I I texted Isabel once like recently because she was supposed to come over and then she didn't. And I was like, well, I wouldn't have made my bed if I knew you weren't going to come over. Like, why am I making my bed for Isabel? No, it's true. Even when we'd be at my apartment and Isabel would come later, Julie would like tidy up a little (laughs) It, it, and you and you like it because then you don't get yelled at either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Obviously, I'm thrilled. And she storms out and she says, you know what? Maybe I'll just go back to New York. You have to remember, he was 21 years old at the time. She was 25. And so living with someone, I think, in general at 21 is kind of young. But then also a woman who's four years older, their maturity levels just weren't necessarily matched. And it, it was a kind of complicated dynamic that I was very happy to be witnessing, but also it made me sad because I really, for a while there, thought they were endgame. I really did. And there's a part of me that still thinks they could have been. Or like- If he was a little older. If he was a little older. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, every time you watch them together, it's like, it's like, it's a wonderful life if Rob had been older at the time, like what would have been? Because he was too young for it to be endgame and it was too young for him to not screw it up at some point. 21-year-old like boys- if there's one thing they know how to do, it's screw things up. So that's just what happened there. But if they had met when they were both older and Rob was older, I think things would be very, very different. Yeah. That's like that meme that's like my – or that tweet that's like my biggest fear is meeting the wrong person too early. I mean the right person too early. I mean, that's pretty deep. I hate when memes are like randomly deep. It is really deep though. Well, because <laughs> the meme logic for being deep is like you go into it and – you're expecting to laugh, so you're waiting for it to get funny, and then you're like, "Fuck!" And I'm, I'm now I'm just like depressed. I know it's yeah, it kind of fucks with your emotions a little. I mean, I think that that's by the way just a very relatable concept to a lot of people, and I'm sure like a lot of you guys listening that you that you've been in that type of situation maybe, or you know someone where like it really could have worked, but one of the parties was just too immature because of it was they were it would just it just happened too young, and it's unfortunate because then you wonder. I think I think. I don't know, but I would imagine that Rob wonders like what could have been. And that to me is a really like shitty feeling, kind of feeling like there's the one that got away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. How could he not? He, she was a cheetah girl. How could he not? You know, especially she still has such a close relationship with the family. Right. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so happy that she still has a close relationship with the family though. Me too. And I mean, I'm very happy about it. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of the Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu.
So Nexine robs at Kim's condo and he's kind of just venting to her about the fight. And in his confessional, he's saying, I don't know where she is. I'm kind of worried. She kind of just stormed off. And he's saying to Kim, I, she's all up in my space, but I'm being such an asshole. And Kim kind of says, you know, you just have to learn to compromise, which you go first on your thoughts on, on what he said. Uh, no, I just, I think that he knew he was wrong the whole time. It was one of those things where you can't stop yourself. And he was clearly lashing out about the lack of space he had in his first time dealing with that. So I don't know. It felt pretty standard to me as a fight. No, it felt standard to me too. But this was a trend that I feel like we saw at a certain point with Rob where he was very willing to like confront what he did wrong in a way that some of the other ones weren't. You know, like he he was able to do this in a way that Courtney just didn't for a long time. Like he'll immediately say what he did wrong and why he and why he was wrong. Yeah, he couldn't control it in the moment, but like he'll come to Kim kind of very unapologetically and know what he did. Whereas it a lot of them are have a little bit too much pride, I find, in the earlier seasons. I think that Rob's early personality, I can't speak about now. I just don't think I know it well enough as he's gotten older, but definitely his early personality. Um, you can tell that he is somebody with older siblings, with older sisters specifically. Oh my God. Beyond so, right? Yeah. Like very, very much so. Yeah. Okay. So next scene, Kim, Chloe, and Chris are walking into Chloe and Courtney's townhouse. And basically the plan is that they're going to surprise Courtney with Chris because she's not talking to her and they're just not having it anymore. So they're getting, you know, trying to get her to come downstairs and Chris is kind of hiding in the kitchen. She comes downstairs. They see each other. And Courtney's like, look who's hiding in the kitchen. Desperate mom hiding there because I won't talk to her. She goes, are you that desperate? She goes, yeah, pretty much. And Kim makes the point to her that with any normal manager, Courtney wouldn't be their only client. So she can't treat it like this, which that's kind of a bullshit point. Because just because you're not the only client doesn't mean that you forget about somebody's thing when you agree to be there. No, but I, I actually didn't think it was a bullshit point. I thought it was like, if, if your manager fucked up kind of like this, you would never be able to like ignore them for this long. Like, you would never be able to like lash out like this. And also a lot of people with managers, they don't show up to every single thing they have. So I think the whole point was just like, you're lucky that you had a manager that was even going to show up for this. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I guess, I guess that's true. And again, though, another example of Kim coming to Chris's defense. I love Kim. I could watch scene after scene of Kim coming to Chris's defense. It's probably in my top five dynamics of all time of Kardashians. I so agree. So Chris says to Courtney, listen, I, to make it up to you, I got you a surprise. I got you a three to four page spread in Maxim, which pays big. You could tell she was about to say how much and then she stopped herself. (laughs) But you could see Courtney was like, okay, fuck, I can't be mad anymore. Right, like you saw it just leave Courtney's body. Yeah. By the way, I remember that shoot vividly. You do? I, I vaguely do. My memory is so, so bad. No, but the picture of her when – you know exactly which one I'm talking about. You guys can look it up. You you know too. Like where her ass is kind of out. She's in that black thing on top. I When they were showing that, it made a lot of sense. That I do remember, I think. Yeah. So Courtney says to Chris, I'm not just going to forgive you because of that, but we can move on from it. And – in her confessional, Courtney basically acknowledges that she can be very cold and that she needs to be more forgiving, which, yes. But it was sweet. I mean, I hated the way she was treating Chris, but also it made for great television. It always does, kid. It always does. Last scene, we're back with Rob and Adrian, and Adrian comes back to the apartment, and Rob made them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He purposely left the mess in the kitchen kind of as an apology. 
And she's just sitting there in that pink juicy tracksuit. And they're just sitting there over this like candlelit peanut butter and jelly on paper towels. And if that's not love, I, I don't know what is. Candlelit peanut butter and jelly on paper towels is literally my dream. No, that's what you fantasize about. It genuinely is. I know. I thought that's another reason that you and early day Rob Kardashian would have done very well together. We would have done. The mess would have been an issue. The mess would have been our breakup. He would have kept you in line. I don't know. I do. I, I, in more ways than one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's fair. He's just like, he's just so hot. I, I like, I know I'm not going to keep saying it because it sounds like a broken record. I, I know, you know, how many episodes can you say that about? But I really did forget the swag. Oh my God. He's overwhelmingly hot. Okay. So last scene, they're at this Maxim shoot. And yes, they make up, but we went back and found this interview because it was from 2009, 11 years ago. So that contrasted with today. We just think it's interesting. So I'm going to read it to you guys. We try Keeping Up with Courtney as she spills about some big firsts. The e-reality show Keeping Up with the Kardashians had its established star in Kim, but firecracker Courtney stole every scene the first season. The 29-year-old entrepreneur is now a confirmed celebutante, and with season three premiering this month, she's poised to become our favorite Kardashian of all. Sorry, Rob. By the way, shots fired. Yeah, what the hell? Why Rob? I don't know. Okay. On her first paparazzi scare. I was lying out on the beach in Miami on New Year's Eve and like 50 paparazzi started gathering. I was like, who's here, J-Lo? But they started hounding me. I wasn't used to that at all. I had to go back into my hotel. I'm dying. I am dying. I Dead, right? Like dead. Also, why is there always their point of reference for what a celebrity is, J-Lo? I don't know. She's an amazing reference point, but they really do use her a lot. It makes it even more surreal for Kim, the relationship that they have now. Like if somebody told Kim, yeah, you're going to be in a Facebook commercial with A-Rod and J-Lo in face masks. And by the way, they're going to come to Christmas every year. Like it takes it to a whole nother level when you see the way that they idolized her. And by the way, A-Rod and J-Lo are dating. (laughs) Oh yeah. By the way, A-Rod and J-Lo are dating. (laughs) Uh, It would blow my mind if I was her. But you see a lot of times when celebrities meet like their quote idols and they'll say to them, oh, I looked up to you for so long, but you never had proof of that. Not that they were lying, but you never got to see it. Whereas like we had so many seasons of them visibly idolizing JLo. It it was more tangential. Like it wasn't the main focus, but I, I, I just, I don't know. I just love that. No, I know exactly what you mean. On her first kiss, she says, my best friend and I went to sleepaway camp every summer. By the way, she went to my sleepaway camp. Did you know that? Wait, what? Really? Yeah. I think for only a year or two, but she went. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. We'd share stories of making out with boys, but we never did. So we made it all up. My real first kiss was at a friend's house when I was in junior high. He was such a good kisser and we're still close friends. He was such a good kisser. I know. First car. It was a black BMW 3 Series I got for my Sweet 16. But of course, I failed my driver's test that day. So I had to drive it back to my house with my mom sitting shotgun. Oh my God. First encounter with an Olympian. This is a quote, which is why I'm saying Bruce instead of Caitlin. It's a direct quote. She says, quote, my stepdad is Bruce Jenner, the Olympian. The first time he came over was like a blind date and we had show and tell. He took out the gold medal for me and my sisters and we were like, so who the hell are you? Wait, what a stupid question they asked her. I know, but also I, I like, I can't believe we're reading Kourtney Kardashian's 2009 Maxim interview when they're asking her for these first time experiences like this just feels crazy the internet is so fucking crazy that you can find these things i know in a second in a second let that be a lesson for you young kids yeah 
We actually have an older skewing audience. Did you know that? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) First TMZ appearance. TMZ claimed they caught me flashing my underwear at lunch in New York, but I was just wearing regular booty shorts. Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, I, I love this. This was such a like a treat as a way to end. I know. Oh my God. This is really good. I'm feeling like season one or season two when there was the babysitter that turned out to be a porn star and then we found the article about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I love finding an article. Don't get that confused with the feeling of finding the meme, but also there should be a word for finding the article. That's a whole other situation, but yeah. That's just like instant historical context gratification vibe. Yes. That's instant historical context gratification. (laughs) Say that five times fast. (laughs) I can hardly say it one. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to add about this episode, about anything in general, about your life? (laughs) About my life? No. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, what eleven forty seven p.m. In case there's anything you want to share, now's the time. No, I think I'm good. I loved this episode. Loved it. Hope you guys did too. We love you guys. Also, happy Thanksgiving. I think this episode oh is going to go up. Right, this episode's probably going to go up on Wednesday. But I hope that whatever you're doing, you are safe. And remember, we're still in a global pandemic. I know it's terrible, but it's still happening. So just be cautious of that. But happy Thanksgiving, and um, we are not to sound unbelievably cliche. And I know I say it a lot, but we are really, really thankful for every single one of you that listens and just takes time out of your day to hear us talk about these things. It's kind of crazy. We were in an interview today and they asked us that and we were like, it literally doesn't wear off. We can't believe it. We just feel so lucky. And so thank you guys. We love you so much. And Isabel and I will be back on Friday for our Bravo episode. This season on Naughty Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join. Same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.